Welcome, savvy investor, to Skyline Views. Welcome back to another episode of Skyline Views. I'm Chris Mills. My guest today is founder of the Capital Gains Tax Solutions company. That He's a multifamily broker and host of the Capital Gains Tax Solutions podcast, Mr. Brett Swartz. How are you, Brett? Hey, Chris. How you doing? Hey, good. How you doing? Good, good, good. Um, doing well. So we are talking about DSTs today. If you are a listener of this podcast, guys, uh, if you know me, if you're a client, we talk DSTs all day long, but today we're talking about different kind of DST that I want to introduce you to. I'm really excited about this conversation. The Deferred Sales Trust is what we're talking about, and Brett is definitely the guy to talk to about this. So, Brett, give us a, a little bit of your background and kind of walk us into this conversation about DSTs. Absolutely. It was 2006. I had just uh, taken an internship at a company called Marcus and Millichap to begin my uh, real estate uh, brokerage career. And, uh, and then I graduated and things started to go pretty well. You know, and it was kind of a, a marketplace that was highly appreciated. Um, lots of lots of deal transactions. But then all of a sudden it came to a grinding halt. I don't know if you've been in a spot, Chris, where you're not sure how you're going to provide uh, for the family. Well, that's where I was. I found myself very successful in college playing basketball and, and had a couple degrees and, you know, went into a, a very competitive, competitive uh, commercial real estate brokerage environment and uh, went from making a little bit of money, getting momentum going to nothing overnight. And so uh, I remember sitting in my manager's office and another deal just fell apart. And it was like a random like Thursday afternoon and I was just so, so frustrated with, um, with, with, uh, myself because I wasn't succeeding. And, uh, and, uh, also my wife and baby at home, we were, you know, trying to make it. And so I had to shift and pivot. And so I think I did what every good real estate wannabe, um, realtor or broker does. You, you get a side job hustle and you move in with your brother to a small condo and you get, uh, you get lean and mean and, uh, you start to uh, just keep grinding and keep working, and keep learning. And so that's what I did. And, uh, I worked at a place called cheesecake factory on nights and weekends. And so by day making cold calls, but while I, while I was going through this financial challenge in my career, so my clients are going through a, a but also it's financial. Right? They had gone from 10, 20 years of building up their wealth, um, to some of them losing half, some of them losing all because they had taken on too much debt and they didn't have enough liquidity and enough diversification. And, and they kind of knew in 04, 05, 06 that they were overpaying for properties as they did the 1031 exchange, but they felt they had no other way. In fact, they felt they were trapped by capital gains tax. And um, about that same time while I'm going through um, you know, learning and kind of assessing what's gone on in the crash, uh, uh, my manager and Marcus Milchev in the Sacramento office brought in a gentleman who's now my business partner. And he spoke on what's called the deferred sales trust. And like most people, we sat there and said, is that a, is that a TIC? Is that, a, you know, um, what came to be known as a Delaware statutory trust, you know, now and 1031. No, no, not that, not that, but it's a deferral. Yeah. Oh, I can defer. Okay. And you could have got him out of debt and, and kind of solved a lot of the problems. So, I was curious and I was also open because I needed something to uh, to try to boost the business. So I started to talk about it. And most people looked at me sideways when I did, or you should have called me a couple of years ago, or my CPA would have told me about it. 
you know, you're just a broker who's brand new. What do you know about this? And I said, well, I'm a, I, I don't know if I know much, but I, I think it could be the future. And I think it could have solved some of your problems. So as I started to just talk about it and get in front of people and really assess what had happened in the 08 crash, my business started to grow. Right. And all of a sudden I started to get in front of people that otherwise I wasn't in front of. And fast forward, um, my wife and I, we now have uh, five kids and she's been able to stay home full time with our, our children, which has been our, our dream. And the business um, um, really, really grew. And, and now I just train and coach uh, commercial brokers, financial advisors. Um, and I'm still a broker myself and help a lot of clients uh, use this this tool, this strategy to escape feeling trapped by capital gains tax. That's excellent. I love the story and uh, the progression. It's it's a very natural progression. I think a lot of people can identify. Let's go ahead and dig into the mechanics because like you said, it, it helps a lot of people who I guess are, are just not aware of it. You know, there's a lot of people who can be taking advantage. And especially right now, we kind of have a, a perfect storm of the cap rate situation, I guess it's depending on the market you're in, but you also have this looming administration's tax plans where what are you going to do with, you know, all your capital gains if the 1031s go away? So that's a conversation I'm having day in and day out right now, as I imagine you are too. So I think uh, this is one of those very, very viable strategies. So um, let's dig into what this looks like now and what someone would do going into a deal. Say, I want to sell my property. I'm going to call Brett to, to see how this is all going to go down. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also give it a little more context as well um, with the you know, Biden administration you know, making potentially making some changes in the, in the, in the tax laws. Um, there's another storm that's already been going on before, before all of this. And we call this the perfect storm with the baby boomer generation. In mm -hmm. fact, it's known as the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet. And uh, according to the American Bankers Association, they found about 17 to maybe $20 trillion is going to pass from one generation to the next in the next 20 years. And this is our parents, Chris, right? And uh, in fact, they found that same study that 10,000 baby boomers every single day in the U.S. Is, are turning 65. There's 77 million in the U.S. alone. And so this large, large amount of wealth, the biggest in the history that we know of, is going to be transferring. And, and what does that mean? Well, if you break that down even more, 50% of that total net worth of America is tied to high-end primary homes, businesses like private equity, and commercial real estate. And the other 50% is, you know, um, it could be retirement accounts, uh, 401ks, pensions. Um, and so that other 50, this first 50% that's illiquid, it's toilets, trash, liability, right? It's, uh, it's debt. It's maybe lack of diversification. It's time, energy, and stress. It, it helps, it, it creates something where folks want to be done with this. And, and so if they want to be done with it, they're faced with a couple of things, either A, pay the tax, which most people don't want to do, B, 1031, which might or may not be available for everybody coming up, um, or, or even some assets don't even qualify for a 1031, like a business, or cryptocurrency, or stock, or primary homes. And so these folks feel trapped in these assets that they want to sell and they want to get onto the next phase or next chapter of their life, 
but there's something in between 30 to 50 percent in capital gains tax and depreciation recapture depending on the state in which they live in so defining that problem and understanding that and understanding the needs and wants of high net worth individuals is step one of this perfect storm now you add only kind of um and by the way uh, biden's not the only one who who didn't you know uh doesn't necessarily like the 1031 change the Trump administration also uh, limited it. You know, it went even more um, down to a, a smaller group, which is essentially real estate investment. Um, it used to be other things that you could you could do 1031 exchange with. So it's it's been under attack for many many years. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we love the 1031 exchange when it's a buyer's market. And this is the next part of the perfect storm. You have very low interest rates, very low inventory, prices that are sky high. And so our parents, Chris, taught us to sell high and buy low in a property that maybe has a very low cap rate, not a lot of value add, right? Taking on equal or greater debt. We call it the blockbuster way of doing things, right? So I don't know if you remember Chris going to Blockbuster on a random Friday night, you know, 10 years ago when it was kind of still around <laughs> and you find that perfect movie, right? But right before you grab it, someone also uh, sees it and takes it. And now you can't get that movie. So you get the movie next to it and you know, you settle for second best, but then you forget to return it within three days or you forget to rewind it. And well, that's like the 1031 exchange, right? 45 days to identify, 180 days to close, equal or greater value, only works for certain things. Right now there's a thing called Netflix and that's what I like to propose the Deferred Sales Trust is. It's a manufactured installment sale known as like a seller carryback. We can get into the details on that. But what does it allow you? It allows you to sell high and buy low. In fact, the one deal story that changed everything for me, I call it the Monday morning quarterback. This gentleman in 06, like the movie or the book, The Big Short, he saw a lot of this coming. And this guy was worth a couple hundred million dollars. He's selling a property in Minnesota. And he goes, you know what? I'm not going to do a 1031 exchange for the first time. I'm going to sell to pay off my debt, defer my tax, and use this thing called a deferred sales trust. So he sold the $20 million asset, parked it in the trust, and then he put it into very conservative, diversified, liquid investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, Nothing, stuff that wasn't really subject to a lot, a lot of, of the turmoil that went on as well. And he waited, he waited, and he waited. And five years later, Chris, the the the, uh, the bank calls him and says, "Hey, we just foreclosed on this property that you sold, and we're just curious if you want to buy it back." And he says, "Well, maybe. What's the price?" And they said, "Well, about sixty cents on the dollar." Mm -hmm. So he said, "Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good deal." So he reallocated the investments inside the deferred sales trust formed an LLC and in partnership bought that property back at 60 cents on the dollar, all tax deferred, not using a 1031 exchange. And so he sold high and he bought low. And once you understand the Netflix way of doing things, which is you can buy it anytime you want, that is the thing that changes the game here. So I'll pause there, see if you have any questions or thoughts on that so far. No, I love the illustration, actually, the blockbuster versus Netflix. It's it's a really, really good one because what stresses a lot of people out, even with the 1031, like you said, is that timeline, right? Things, um, sometimes they move super fast. Sometimes, especially if construction or certain thing or COVID, right? If you can't get teams out to look at things because travel's restricted or whatever, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it can create a lot of stress when there's millions of dollars on the line. So having the flexibility of a trust, I'm a big fan of trust just in general for estate planning and flexibility. And you get to do things that, yeah, kind of the entrepreneur in me, I guess, you know, like, oh, I can't do it this way. Fine, I'll do it this way. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture. So thank you for the illustration. Can we walk through the time, the, I guess not the timeline, because <laughs> I'm not, don't need to get hung up on that, but 
the just the step by step, right? You you alluded to a lot of it, but let's walk through the typical deal, and then um, uh, I'm a big fan of all the options once the money is is in the trust and and how how you can be flexible in there too. So let's go from the sale of a property to once the funds are there and. Um, I guess let's cover any stipulations that might be surrounding that too. Yeah, sounds great. And and so I, I kind of title a little bit of this talk and what I'm about to tell you, uh, the three secrets of an optimal timing, transformational exit or wealth plan. Mm-hmm. And then secret number one is selling and deferring hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars in capital gains tax, how to legally break free from capital gains tax and find freedom to buy and sell your business or property or cryptocurrency or stock without ever worrying about a 1031 exchange ever again. And so step number one is just understanding again what your tax is, what your liability is, right? What your basis is, you know, and, then, and then what your vision is for your wealth and your time and your energy. And then on a piece of paper, writing down, uh, drawing a piece, a line on a piece of paper and, and figuring out what's gonna help you to achieve what you're trying to achieve. Um, and when we go to sell something, you have an opportunity, by the way, to do what's called a seller carryback, not even using us, just doing a traditional carryback for somebody. So an example would be Chris is selling a $10 million property and he's owned it, let's say, for 27 and a half years. So he has no basis left and he has, let's say, no debt to keep it real simple. Or if he were to sell tomorrow to, to let's say, uh, let's call it Joe wants to buy it from Chris, okay? For 10 million, he takes all 10 million. That's what's called actual or constructive receipt. And and if you take any of those, regardless, uh, the tax is gonna be triggered. Let's say he was in California, let's say it was 40% with the depreciation recapture. That is a $4 million tax liability in which he's gonna have to pay. Now, if he can somehow not take that money or delay taking that money, kind of like an IRA, kind of like a 1031, kind of like a 401k, the government will give an incentive um, because it's invested into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, business purpose, real estate deals, passive record real estate, um, which spurs economic growth. Therefore, it's a win for them because they're going to get tax revenue. But in Chris's hands, it's going to incentivize him to sell. So that's the essence of what we're doing here. It's called IRC 453. It's known as an installment sale. And Chris can carry paper back for Joe if he wanted to. But the challenge with the traditional installment sale is if he carries it just for Joe, he's not diversified. He's not liquid. And he's more than likely going to get paid back within three to five years as Joe refinances and pays Chris off. And so that's where most people do not do traditional installment sales. But Chris, you as a professional, we understand that to be the law, tried and true 1920s tax law. And that's the foundation of the deferred sales trust. And so this is the secret here is that we add a third party unrelated trust to the transaction. So instead of Chris uh, carrying paper for Joe, uh, we asked Joe to come with the full 10 million, you know, cash or with the loan, we don't really care, come with the full 10 million. But what we're gonna do is ask him to cooperate with this deferred sales trust. So we form the trust, Chris, and this trust will actually buy the asset from you for the full $10 million in exchange, it will give you a promissory note of $10 million. So it's, it's gonna give you a zero down payment and carry back. So Chris, if you carry zero, I mean, if you receive zero, how much tax is triggered on zero today? Zero. Zero, right? And then the trust immediately turns around and pays it uh, or sells it to the uh, to the, to Joe, the, the, the cash buyer. And, and so the trust bought it for 10 million and sold it for 10 million. Guess what? It has a zero gain, therefore zero tax is triggered. And now Joe takes the property, he's gone. And what's left with is this pile of money 
$10 million sitting into this trust and Chris has a promissory note. Well, and what is that promissory note? Promise him to pay? Well, the full 10 million, typically over a 10 year period of time, typically interest only payments with a balloon payment due in, due in 10 um, and, and somewhere around 8% um, compounding interest net of recurring fees is the goal not guaranteed is what we're trying we're trying to do here and so of which every 10 years you can renew for 10 years and renew and renew, renew and pass this to your kids and they can keep going and then we'll talk about that here in a minute but in the meantime now we're diversified why because we can put it into stocks bonds mutual funds we can put into hard money lending in fact we just did a deal for a client he, we saved a failed 1031 exchange past this 45-day identification um, his name is Dave. You can watch this story on, on my on my podcast. And Dave has been in the business for 30 years. And see, he's bought and sold property, but he's looking and he's selling this property in Georgia, a $7.6 million deal. And he's looking around for deals in North Carolina and different states. These are four and a half, five cap with a lot of the juice squeezed out of it. And he's like, ah, I don't want to overpay. And this is right before the COVID crash. So he already kind of knew that his 45 days has kind of passed and he go all of a sudden COVID hits and he's like, okay, I definitely don't want to buy anything. Okay. Right now. And so, uh, we saved his failed 1031 exchange, moved the funds into the trust. And then he was able to diversify that. You see, it wasn't just the money for him. It was the next chapter of his life, but he was able to put it into hard money lending passively to some multifamily, uh, value add, um, uh, deals that were six months, uh, fund that started six months from there and then keep some of it in just in cash and just wait on the sidelines. He was also able to pay off his debt. He paid off about four and a half million of debt. So he's debt free. And then he's also looking to buy a property in Montana. He bought this property in Montana. It's a leadership uh, like uh, um, camp and he brings in corporate leaders to teach them how to help give back with their gifts. And that was his legacy play. Like he wasn't wanting to just spend his time managing property across the nation buying more property. He's done that, right? He was looking for something different. And that's the transformation that this deferred sales trust provides. It's not just tax deferral, right? It's what it allows people to do, become free from having their property businesses. So I'll pause there and see if you have any questions so far. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm intrigued by a couple of these points that you made. I want to move a little linearly before we go too far down the road though. I want to highlight this is a real estate podcast. A lot of these are passive and active real estate investors, but the example, so the example you just gave very brilliantly, thank you, is a real estate example. It's going to apply to most people, but like you alluded to earlier, it can be, you know, you're selling your exotic car, you're liquidating your mutual funds, your, you know, whatever would trigger a capital gains event um, can, can be, put into this trust. It's correct, right? Yes. It just didn't have $1 million gain and $1 million net proceeds on, on a single transaction. So we wouldn't necessarily say mutual funds because that's just a mix. Gotcha. But if it's like a single stock, like there were some Netflix original team members that used it for their really highly valued stock. Um, but yeah, cryptocurrency, public or private. Um, it could be exotic cars, artwork, collectibles, right? Primary homes. We just did an $8.3 million primary home in Palo Alto for a gentleman, which a 1031 doesn't work for. So yeah, really any kind of asset that's subject to capital gains tax worth at least a million dollars, net proceeds, net of all closing costs, and at least a million dollar gain. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you. So now the money is in the trust and you've, you've set up that, that 10 year schedule what how how does it work is it similar to 
like the self-directed IRA thing when people buy property in there? How does that work with that relationship? Great question. And this is one of the biggest false beliefs with the deferred sales trust is I'm giving up all control and, and I, and I can't go back into real estate and it's just going to be this passive thing inside of, you know, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, which I'm a real estate guy. I want to be in real estate. And so let's walk through that. We just closed a deal in Alabama for a gentleman and he sold a $2.6 million business. And one of his, and he's in his forties, he's young, he's, he's doing great. But one of his challenges was he wants, he wanted to get out of the marketing business and he wanted to get into the construction and the multifamily syndication business. And you see, you cannot trade a business, you cannot 1031 into even land, right? Cause it's not equal rate of value, but you can't go into real estate. It's not like can, but you can Netflix deferred sales trust it, right? So he did the deferred sales trust sold for 2.6 million. He was able to defer about 600,000 of tax and he's building 70 units in Tennessee right now, ground up development with the cash. So he called it the go fund yourself versus having to get a loan or get debt or raise money. He's using right. the trust. He's partnering with the trust via an LLC, a partnership LLC. Um, and he's building these units, right? And he's managing and owning this and all of it, all of the stuff that you would have in a 1031, except you happen to have a silent partner which is the trust, right? And so that's the deferred sales trust. Once you understand how to do this, um, is that you can buy active deals or passive deals. Now there are some rules we need to follow. One of the rules is only 80% liquidity. So on that 2.6 million he had, he had up to 80% to, um, I'm sorry, 20% liquidity. He had up to 80% to go illiquid. So he had up to 80% to put into an LLC as a down payment or buy all cash to do that project. You know, it could be hard money lending. It could be ground up development. As long as it's business purpose, it's not like a primary home because the government says, look, if you're doing this for your own pleasure, your primary stuff, you know, you're buying your food, it's going to be taxable, right? So this is something where it needs to be business purpose, purpose, economic substance. Okay. And so that's what he did there. Um, but there's some other clients who are actually just the opposite. They're older and, and, and they just, they actually want investment grade securities with some of the biggest companies in the world, right? Home mm -hmm. Depot, Walmart, Google, Facebook, you know, these things, Microsoft, these places where they can feel really safe, Amazon, and they can just sell and put it and even just the S and P 500, right? And never deal with any toilet trash or liability again. And, or until the prices make sense, right? Because as real estate investors, all of us and growing up in the Bay area with my dad, custom homes, room additions, rentals all my life and, and syndicating, uh, raising capital and doing deals myself. I love investment real estate when it makes sense, when I can diversify. And so you can go into also, um, other, um, um, passive deals. So we are connected with some of the, some of the best in, in the U S we believe with folks that are, you know, um, uh, uh, Joe Fairlish, Ashroff capital, Dan Hanford, passive investing, um, and a few others that are, allow us to put small amounts in, right? Cause you might not, you might sell a $5 million business, but you might not want to put all 5 million with one, one operator, mm -hmm. but you might put 500,000 with this operator, 500 with this other one. Maybe you want to go into multiple geographical locations with different, different product types, mobile home parks, senior housing, multifamily are our favorite, right? Self storage is really coming on. I'm looking at, uh, how, uh, uh, parking lots. That's just kind of a new one. That's just interesting. That's cool. Value add parking lots. Yeah. So whatever it is that you like, you're going to have to approve that. So what does that look like before anything goes anywhere? And this kind of answers your question before and how we actually do this. We're not just throwing darts here where everything's mathematical. Okay. So you're going to fill out a risk tolerance questionnaire. And if you're married, so are your wife, your spouse. And, uh, at that point, a score is determined. Now that score will determine the interest rate on the promise. Most of them are 8%, but if it's more conservative, it can be 7 or 6 or even 5. 
So based upon that, that becomes the constitution for how and where the funds are invested. So there, from there, the financial advisor, my business partner I was telling you about, he play, actually played for the 49ers. He's been at Forbes Council list. And we all, by the way, we work financial advisors, like folks like your crews across the nation for their clients. They would manage the funds. Um, and so there, there's presented to them and they approve that or disapprove that, that allocation, right? Um, and that is that. Now, as a trustee, that's our role. We're a third party, unrelated, very important. We own the trust or our capital gains tax, which owns the trust. You are the lender, right? So it's a different type of control. It's not unilateral control, um, but it is, you have to approve or disapprove of every investment or if, even when the funds move. So hopefully that answers the question, Chris. It does. It does. Thank you. The, the next part, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I really want to make sure we highlight is the, the estate planning aspect of this, because I think it's a really big deal. One, just because it's one of my main passions and why I do what I do. But the other part of it is a lot of the traditional tactics that people would use or trust in the past. Again, they're, they're at risk going forward. They may or may not be there depending on what this administration or maybe future administrations decide. So you mentioned passing on that 10 year schedule to your kids them being able to renew once they inherit it. Can you talk about that process? Uh, any current tax ramifications or stipulations, logistics that might need to happen to make sure that all goes smoothly? Yeah, great question and a great comment here. So I want to start first with the estate tax and then we'll work our way back to answering your question there. So one of the biggest challenges going on as well is with estate planning is for ultra high net worth individuals who are, who, who have collectively, if they're married, a greater than $22 million worth of net worth or single about 12 million. But on 2025, those are set to perhaps cut in half or even lower, go mm -hmm. back to um, some smaller amounts, which could be 12 million married and about 6 million single, or even maybe 6 million married, 1 million single. We're not sure where that's going to shake out, but you have to clarify how much is inside of your taxable estate. And again, what you want your state to look like for your beneficiaries. Okay. And, um, this thing called estate tax, 40%, it's 40% on anything that's left inside the taxable estate above and beyond the exclusions. Okay. So let's imagine you're worth $52 million. Let's imagine all 52 million Chris is inside of your taxable estate and you're married as of today, 22 would be exempt. That other 30 million would be subject to 40% death tax. By the way, it has nothing to do with the stepped up basis, has nothing to do with capital gains taxes, the value of your, of your whole state. Well, that's $12 million. 40% of 30 million is $12 million. So if you do nothing, you die, you get the stepped up basis tomorrow, your kids still have to figure out a way to pay 12 million. So the intent is to get it outside your taxable estate. The challenge is you typically you can't get it out fast enough or you have to give it all the way to charity. We have to buy huge insurance policies. Well, one of the solutions to the deferred sales trust, which is really amazing, and it might be the single best thing on this whole podcast for ultra high net worth individuals, is that you can now sell and in one single day move all of the funds outside the taxable estate without having to give it to charity, without having to buy insurance policies. Okay. And so, in fact, we just helped a client in Colorado. They, they're worth $25 million, and we asked them a simple question. And they're, they're uh, you know, 50, 60, so really, you know, still very young. Hey, what would you like to do uh, with your estate and how much of the 25 million of real estate is inside your taxable estate? And they're like, all of it's inside of our taxable estate. And they said, well, you know, the exemptions are set to ex probably expire. Would you like to move it out? Some of it. And they said, sure. So they start with their first property. It was a $5 million apartment complex sale. And not only did they defer the ca capital gains tax, but they moved it outside of their taxable estate. 
which saves them 40% on 5 million for their heirs, which is what, about $2 million, okay? So if you're hearing this and you're ultra high net worth, we believe we have an amazing solution and it's, uh, it's actually the Deferred Sales Trust Plus. There's also no limits on this. It could be a $100 million estate, it could be a billion, there's no limits on this. Um, whereas the Deferred Sales Trust, back to your other point, and by the way, in that scenario, the kids are the beneficiaries and they, and they inherit it estate tax-free. Um, just so you know. Now, on the other one, the Deferred Sales Trust, the regular one, um, there's typically uh, 5 million per person per year. Uh, if it's a married couple, it'd be 10 million that we keep those limits below. And then the kids can step into your shoes. And on that one, they can continue the tax deferral. Okay, now they'll pay tax as, as interest payments come out. That's ordinary income tax, just like the parents would have, right? And if they dip into principal, they'll pay capital gains tax in the year that they receive it based upon the capital gains tax rates that they are, which again, if Biden increases them um, from the 20 to potentially about 39 and a half, um, that is substantial. So you always wanna consider that. Um, however, they can just keep the tax deferral uh, going um, keep the principal in place. We like to say, keep the, keep the golden goose that lays the golden eggs, right? So the golden goose is the principal and let, and just live off the golden eggs, the interest. I'll pay tax on the interest, right? But it's your money. If you want to dip in the principal, go for it. Right. And, and, and just realize you're going to pay tax. So hopefully that answers the question, Chris. It does. It does. Thank you. Do you have the option if you want to be ultra conservative or if you want to, you know, there's, uh, an administration that comes in, you know, for your heirs, right? And they want to just write it out like, all right, for the next four years, they're crazy. We're just not going to touch it. And hopefully it goes back next. Do you have the option to kind of keep everything in there and not touch the interest, let it keep rolling? Or, or is there some kind of mandatory, you know, payout? It's a great question. It all, it all depends on your needs and your wants, but I'll give you our stats right now. About 70% of our clients are delaying the payment, uh, meaning they're, they're not taking the interest payments. The interest is accruing on the promissory note and the investments are producing that, but they're not receiving that interest. And what's unique about the trust is that you only pay tax on what you receive. And the trust is able to expense what it owes to you in a given year. So it can be a zero tax transaction on both sides because it's a separate entity, which is nice. So you can get what's called income tax deferral. And so like for the client who's in Alabama, it's exactly what he's doing. His income is so high, he's going, Brett, not only can I sell my business to further tax and go build with it, but let's let all the earnings just pile up, pile up until my income goes lower. Kind of like what you do with an IRA or a 401k, right? When your bracket is lower, when you're not in your high income earning years. Then you start pulling out of that to start paying tax when, when you're on a lower bracket. So we call that income tax deferral. And that's a nice, nice advantage as well. Now, are there some stipulations to that? Yes, we, we do like to see some kind of payment come out. Let's say somewhere between, you know, years four or five or six. Okay. And it can be a smaller amount. It doesn't have to be the full 8% that it's, that it's been accruing, right? Compounding. It, it could be one or 2%. We can see something come out. Um, and that's, that's just what we found based upon the IRS audits, the thousands of closes, the billions under management over the 25 year track record. When those audits happened, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, I think one of the promissory notes had, had like a long extension and he just didn't need it. And they're like, oh, we didn't think about that. It had gone on for a while. And, and they were like, well, is he gonna start taking payments? And they're like, yeah. And, and, and basically the conclusion of that was, 
you know, you should have something coming out. We do, we do, uh, you know, work with, with clients on that and most of them are like, yeah, that's fine. Start it in five years at a, you know, one or 2% payment. So, and then by the way, should things really go high again, you can turn that off or, or adjust that. That's the other thing some people have is like, well, my years kind of fluctuate. Can I, can I turn it on or turn it off? Yeah. You can make adjustments. You're not setting cement typically maybe once or twice a year. It's not something where you're, where you're changing, you know, uh, too often because that, that, um, can be, um, constructive receipt, right? Too much, too much control. So our job is to help you uh, to, uh, help plan. So, so you don't step on a landmine, right? So we, we have a, again, a perfect track record so far with the IRS. Um, and we don't want that to be, um, to be, um, you know, to fall. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is there uh, anything else? I think this has been a good talk. It's chock full of information. I encourage everybody to go back and listen through this. It's been really, really great, Brett. Is there anything that I haven't asked or you think is key that uh, we should include in here today? Yeah, I just want to finish with, with a story here. And it's it's really the number one objection to this deferred sales trust. It's this is too good to be true. My CP would have told me about it. You're, you're making some really, really strong claims, Brett, or this deferred sales trust. And I, I just, I just feel like I would have heard about it. I would have known about it. And I just want to finish with this one story and, and, and make a challenge for you. Okay. Because by like you, when I was brand new, you know, starting in the business, I was very skeptical too. Like it took me a while to even understand what this was, what it wasn't, who it works for, who it doesn't work for. And one of the things that helped me build my confidence was a gentleman named David Young. Now, David Young worked with a gentleman named Bill Gross. And Chris, you may know about him. Your listeners may know. Bill Gross is kind of like the Warren Buffett of the financial advising world, very respected. And they worked at a company called PIMCO. And PIMCO is one of the you know, largest money managers in the world, very respected. Well, about 20 years ago, these guys all got together. And, they, and, and it's David Young, Bill Gross, and about four others. And they built up this, uh, this PIMCO from about $80 billion to about $1.2 trillion and very successful and and david young uh increased and became an executive vp at pimco well they all retired he had a big payday about you know you know 15 years ago or whatever and as a part of that um after that four of the five got bored including david and four others and uh, they formed a group called anfield capital and about three years ago they got approached with the deferred sales trust and like most of your listeners and like myself maybe even chris right now very skeptical about this because they get approached with a lot of things, especially tax deferral, a ways to build wealth a lot, a, a lot of times. And so they said, you know what, we'll do our due diligence. And they didn't just do it for a month or two or three. They actually did a full two year due diligence, including their legal teams, including uh, meeting with the tax attorneys on a big, big, big board for two days, looking at everything in person, you know, signing the NDAs, you know, doing proper, proper due diligence, extensive, you know, not just overnight due diligence. And what do they find after those those two years? Well, one, they found that the person who created this, and I also believe, is the smartest person um, we've ever met. And they said the same thing, and that includes their legal team after spending two days with them. And the number two, that they were, I call believers, all in, 100% confident that it's illegal and that it works and it's a great solution for their clients, so much so that they became a part of the inner circle. And what does that mean? Well, they're, well they're managing wealth for our clients and working with our financial advisors to help money manage with them if they would like those services as an option. So in other words, they're putting their name on this, their track record, and they're all in with us. In fact, I did an interview with David and you can hear him speak on the Deferred Sales Trust and I call it overcoming the false belief of the Deferred Sales Trust. With his story on the due diligence, you can see that on my podcast. And so the main question is this, Chris, 
if it's good enough for David Young and his legal team, you know, and his track record of PIMCO and all the back, and you know, after two years of due diligence, is it good enough for you and your legal team? The answer might be no. It might be, hey, I need Warren Buffett to say yes to this thing. And by the way, Warren, if you're listening to this, we'd love for your legal team to take a look at this. We believe what we have is so transformational and so, and the track record is actually literally perfect. Private letter rulings, the IRS audits, no change audits. But that is the biggest single thing is this false belief of my CPA would have known about it or my really smart tax attorney would have told me about this. But they don't. They don't know. They think they figured it out. But until they sign the NDA and get with us, by the way, we have a lot of third advisors, big, big national uh, financial advising firms. In fact, LPL, um, they're working and I believe they've all kind of finalized. They're going to be rolling this out and they're the number one or top financial advisings for independent uh, financial advisors. They're going to be rolling out the deferred sales trust. So we have all the track record. We have the attorneys who reviewed it. We have the third party validation. We have all of that. But still, people are just like, too good to be true. I feel like I would have known about it, but I encourage you to watch that interview with David Young and gain some confidence in this, if that makes sense, Chris. It does. It does. Um, yeah, I started looking into, I think, do you, I don't know if you even remember, Brett, there was an article that you wrote. Again, I'm a, a DST guy. And then I saw this article that was, I think, the tale of two DSTs, right? Is that, is that right? Was that? Yeah. So, yeah. And then I was like, oh, well, what's this? And I thought, I was like, this sounds pretty amazing. Why don't I know about it? And I looked into things and yeah, I'm a big fan. And that's, that's how we landed here on this conversation today. So I would encourage people also to, to, to do that homework, to do that research. And, um, and if they choose to reach out to you, Brett, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, thanks, Chris. They can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. That's capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. You can also find us on our YouTube channel. We have lots of free content there and lots of interviews. And then if you're a business professional, financial advisor, you know, uh, a realtor, luxury realtor, uh, business broker in, in the cryptocurrency world, you can go to experttaxsecrets.com. That's experttaxsecrets.com. You can learn how the Deferred Sales Trust can help provide the transformation that we're talking about here for your clients as a strategy, as a tool to leverage your expertise to help them escape feeling trapped by capital gains tax. All righty. I'll link to all those in the show notes. Brett, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Skyline Views with Chris Mills. We hope you found this valuable and useful. Feel free to share it with friends or family that could benefit as well. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. We really appreciate it. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us through thehaneycompany.com. See you next time. The information provided in this episode is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. Skyline Views, The Haney Company, their employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are advised to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant for the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicative of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Christopher Mills is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisor representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated.
Neither Coastal Equities Incorporated nor Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated is affiliated with Skyline Views or The Haney Company. Advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, a U.S. SEC registered investment advisor, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801.